A very good Friday. Welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Coming up in the show here today, we'll bring you feature agricultural news reports, and then we'll check in with national and regional agricultural news headlines as well. And we get started with regional agricultural news right after this. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. As reported recently, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration head Robert Califf has announced a redesign of its human foods program to focus on protecting and promoting a safe, nutritious U.S. food supply that more quickly adapts to an ever-changing and evolving environment while centralizing authority under a single leader, a deputy commissioner, who reports directly to Califf. CDFA Secretary Karen Ross commented by saying that CDFA appreciates its partnership with the FDA on a number of issues, especially food safety and the implementation of the Food Safety Modernization Act. She applauds Commissioner Califf's announcement creating the FDA Human Foods Program. His vision for a unified human foods program with a single leader reporting directly to the commissioner unifies the important functions of food safety and nutrition, which should result in an agile, effective program. She says she is excited about the proposal to create a center for excellence in nutrition to help consumers with the information they need to make better food choices for health and quality of life as well as the establishment of an Office of Integrated Food Safety System Partnerships as acknowledgement of the state and local regulatory partners who share a passion for protecting food safety and consumer protection. She went on to say that organizational change is challenging and takes time. This is just the first step. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service has started conducting the cash rents and leases survey. The survey provides a basis for estimates of the current year's cash rents paid for irrigated cropland, non-irrigated cropland, and permanent pasture. Over 241,000 survey recipients across the United States have been selected to complete the survey with nearly 5,400 in California, which can be completed online at agcounts.usda.gov by mail or by phone. If Respondents do not complete the survey by February 24th. They may be contacted for an interview. Information from the survey is used in a Farm Service Agency Conservation Reserve Program as an alternative soil rental rate prior to finalizing new rates each year. In accordance with federal law, NAS keeps survey responses confidential. The data will be available in aggregate form only to ensure that no individual producer or operation can be identified. NAS will publish the state-level data on August 4th and county-level data on August 25th. The data will be available online at quickstats.nas.usda.gov front slash. 
Finding enough workers has been a concern throughout the fresh produce pipeline. The pandemic made that situation worse as many people quit the workforce in general, leading to an increase in wages and greater competition across industries. This has complicated hiring in what was already an aging workforce for transportation providers. Jinju Walder, Director of Marketing and Business Development at Vesta Food Service in Los Angeles, says post-pandemic, many employees are struggling whether they've worked long hours as essential workers, were laid off and rehired or are entirely new to the industry. With stress and emotion in both personal and professional lives, she says it's been a bit much for many to handle, especially with so many changes and shifting responsibilities as the industry ramped back up after shutdowns. Co-chairs of the Congressional Wine Caucus, Representative Mike Thompson of California and Representative Dan Newhouse of Washington, have announced a reconstitution of the Wine Caucus for the 118th Congress. Agriculture is important to their district and every state across the country. Wine grapes are grown in all 50 states and generate $276 billion for the economy, while creating nearly 2 million jobs, according to Thompson. He founded the Congressional Wine Caucus to develop a line of communication between wine grape growers and vintners and Congress. California's wine grape and wine industries are major economic drivers across the entire country, generating $170.5 billion annually in economic activity to the U.S. and $73 billion in California alone, according to Natalie Collins, president of the California Association of Wine Grape Growers. She said they appreciate the leadership of Congressman Thompson in establishing a dedicated wine caucus committed to safeguarding an industry that creates jobs, draws tourists, and generates tax revenue for the benefit of local communities and the nation. In 2022, the California wine community created a direct economic impact of $88.38 billion with over 25 million tourism visits, 513,000 jobs, and nearly 4,800 wineries. The Congressional Wine Caucus was founded in 1999 by Congressman and wine grape growers Mike Thompson, a Democrat from California, and George Radonovich, a Republican from California, to provide a connection between wine grape growers and Congress. Today, the caucus brings together a bipartisan group of members of Congress and is chaired by Thompson and Washington Republican Dan Newhouse. The California Institute for Water Resources, or CIWR, hired a new director, Eric Porce, in January of 2023. Porce received degrees in engineering and public policy prior to moving to California to attend UC Davis in 2011. At UC Davis, he earned a PhD in civil and environmental engineering with a focus on water resources. This combination of education and other experiences provided Porce with the opportunity to work in a variety of roles across industries which now support him as the director of CIWR. For most of my career, I've been trying to put people together and, and make conversations happen across groups that um, that have a, a reason to discuss and collaborate. So as part of some of my background, uh, for instance, as a, I was a counterintelligence analyst with the Naval and Criminal Investigative Service, and I'd be bringing together um, uh, law enforcement agents with technical folks, engineers and scientists uh, to be able to you know, look at national security issues. And so I bring a lot of that background to my work in California. And um, as part of that, we we will we'll put together teams to help solve challenges. So for instance, we've um, had in most recently finished up a project working along uh, with the State Water Resources Control Board, the Department of Water Resources, and a host of different agencies to be able to evaluate economic and environmental effects of water use efficiency regulations in cities across California. And so that is a, a an example of sort of an applied research question where 
there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be brought from scientific and the, and the water research field to be able to address uh, contemporary challenges and questions that that helped chart the path for California's water sustainability and resilience uh, going forward through the next uh, few decades. Um, in addition to that, um, I've also worked uh, pretty closely with uh, agencies throughout the state on all sorts of kind of planning challenges as I referred to um, as part of the um, Environmental Finance Center at Sacramento State, where it was most recently um, uh, affiliated with. Uh, we would collaborate with agencies on 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 sometimes rate planning exercises, uh, sometimes uh, looking at asset management and um, for their water systems. And so uh, it's it's my experience kind of spans both big picture research questions as well as getting into the nuts and bolts of um, what agencies might need or um, what um, uh, local um, local growers or, or local folks might need as well, sort of on the ground, on-site needs. CIWR is part of a national network of institutes for water resources and has been around for several decades. During this time, the institute has been located at various campuses of the University of California system and since 2011 has been located within the University of California Division of Agriculture and Natural Resources. Horst tells us more about the institute and the variety of things they do and essentially has a statewide mission to look at planning policy um, and, and, and um, water uh, related questions for um, across the state of California. So California is obviously, uh, you know, a really large and diverse place, um, has a lot of different water qualities, supply challenges um, across the state. So in order to kind of address all of the potential needs, historically CIWR has, has um, uh, worked in a couple of areas. First, it administers uh, the uh, federal funding grant that supports water research throughout uh, throughout the U.S. And so each of the institutes around the country all will um, find a way to support research in their state. And in California, we funded researchers um, uh, from established uh, researchers in universities through to especially new researchers in universities for small and medium-sized grant programs and often working closely with uh, the U.S. Geological Survey. And um, that program is administered, um, we, we sort of use that as a mechanism to be able to um, identify on the ground needs throughout the state and support folks who are, are um, trying to work with agencies and work on planning challenges. In addition, California Institute for Water Resources also supports technical training and assistance programs, especially for the California Department of Food and Agriculture. So we work in a couple of different areas, um, including irrigation efficiency, healthy soils management, manure management, nitrogen management. And uh, CIWR sort of helps to administer the um, networks of individuals that are within the University of California um, uh, Cooperative Extension and UCANR that are on the ground throughout the state. And so they're the folks who are going to farms or setting up local workshops or going to you know, farm bureau events and so forth, and really trying to make connections, will support technical assistance uh, for grant applications to CDFA's grant programs. And then also in addition, um, holding events for on-farm training and so forth. So um, CIWR sort of leverages its, its um, um, role as a national Funder, uh, a national hub for research funding within California, but then also works within UCANR and its uh, networks of 
cooperative extension specialists and advisors to be able to make sure we're meeting the needs of of um, agricultural water use efficiency. Horse said that while CIWR will focus on a few key issues this year, they will also continue to provide support to various groups at both the state and federal level. Well, first, uh, what CIWR is going to continue to do is sort of serve as a hub, as potentially even a first line of inquiry is helpful, to be able to connect um, um, agencies or um, local industry uh, partners with um, researchers who have expertise in a particular area to try to address applied research challenges. And it's um, it served this role for a number of years, sort of an, an aggregator of networks to, to connect the water management and research and science communities throughout the state. And we'll do a lot more of that because um, it's a really important mission. Uh, we can kind of uh, serve to put together the conversations uh, in different regions. Um, that help to kind of promote local collaboration, local cooperation uh, towards water sustainability and resilience. So then in addition, for anyone who's familiar with water management in California, there are a host of issues and they're always changing. They're always, it's very dynamic. So if you go back six months, uh, severe drought was the most significant issue. Uh, fast forward to the late 2022, early 2023, and flooding was a significant issue, right? And so managing these ex this extreme variability across um, California um, for future climate is certainly gonna present many challenges um, for um, both local agencies, for um, industry, for personal property owners, um, as well as uh, for kind of large scale planning questions. And so within this, there's an enormous list of potential areas that need support and we'll continue to do that through our outreach and collaboration and, and support for all of the researchers at the University of California, the California State University System, as well as the um, federal local um, water management agencies, um, federal, state, and local water management agencies. But then in addition, for some a few key issues, uh, we'll be kind of gathering needs uh, from throughout the state to see where we can um, really help support. And so there's a couple of key issues where we have um, expertise within UCANR or new programs being built within UCANR that we can work with our um, university um, colleagues with, um, especially for drinking water and sanitation access as well. So on-site sanitation needs um, is a growing issue across the country as well as in California. And then additionally in groundwater management, uh, groundwater basins provide um, resilience for long-term drought, extreme variability, and uh, there's enormous needs for technical assistance um, as well as um, implementation as part of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. So those are probably a few of the issues we'll hit on, but we're also trying to be support and uh, be sort of a network aggregator to help connect um, all the expertise throughout all the systems with folks who need it. This is Kylie Harlan reporting for My Ag Life. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior Bees, Superior Pollination.
bipartisan group of senators recently introduced legislation to merge USDA broadband programs. New Mexico Democrat Ben Ray Lujan and South Dakota Republican John Thune reintroduced the Rural Internet Improvement Act. The legislation would streamline and bolster USDA rural development broadband programs and ensure their funding is targeted to rural areas that need it the most. Senator Thune says the bipartisan legislation would help to bridge the digital divide by improving USDA's Reconnect program to ensure its funding goes to truly underserved areas. The Rural Internet Improvement Act would merge and codify the popular Rural E-Connectivity Pilot Program, or Reconnect program, with USDA's traditional broadband loan and grant program. The legislation would also ensure Reconnect funding is going to areas most in need of reliable broadband service by limiting funding to areas where at least 90% of households lack access to broadband service. Finally, the bill would improve coordination between USDA and the Federal Communications Commission on Broadband Programs. Bayer and Chemitech have announced a new strategic partnership focused on accelerating the development and commercialization of biological crop protection solutions and biostimulants. As part of a global agreement, both companies will become key partners to advance and establish biological solutions derived from natural sources, crop protection products that address pests, disease, and weeds, as well as biostimulants that promote plant growth. Chemitech operates Europe's largest biotechnological innovation hub with 15 years of experience in researching and discovering natural molecules and compounds for agriculture. By leveraging Bayer's product development expertise with Chemtech's proven discovery capabilities, biological product development will be accelerated to build integrated crop management solutions that can scale and develop through Bayer's global infrastructure backbone. This includes field testing, product support, and commercialization. Dr. Robert Ryder, head of R&D for Bayer's Crop Science Division, says Bayer is committed to providing growers with the benefits of biological solutions as part of an integrated crop management system. The European Union continues to impose trade barriers to U.S. ag goods, especially dairy products based on geographical names. But a top USDA official says the U.S. is pushing back against such long-term discrimination. Minnesota Senator Tina Smith. The European Union continues to impose geographical indications that can block the use of commonly used household names for cheese and other products. And this is a significant barrier, a roadblock for U.S. dairy producers. Especially for cheeses like Parmesan, Azaggio, Romano, and Fontina. And while some like Parmesan are named after places like Parma, Italy, USDA Trade Undersecretary Alexis Taylor says others may not be. I have yet to see feta on a map. So I think at times um, these GIs are also clearly to restrict our trade. Taylor says the U.S. is pushing back against a decades-old EU GI barrier via those doing trade deals with Europe and others. This doesn't become a new trade barrier for our exports. And then we're also engaging in multilateral forum about this issue. So the WTO, the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperative Forum, APAC, and then there is a World Intellectual Property Organization as well where we are engaging to make sure that intellectual property rights are being respected. The EU protects regionally named products via a registration system and argues doing so adds value and protects consumers from imitation. This month, FFA members around the country will celebrate agriculture and FFA during National FFA Week. Whether through service projects or community gatherings, National FFA Week is the time for FFA members to raise awareness about the National FFA Organization's role in developing future leaders and the importance of agricultural education. 
National FFA Week always runs from Saturday to Saturday and encompasses February 22nd, George Washington's birthday. This year, the week kicks off on February 18th and culminates on Saturday, February 25th. The National FFA Board of Directors designated the week-long tradition, which began in 1948 to recognize Washington's legacy as an agriculturalist and farmer. A group of young farmers founded FFA in 1928, and the organization has been influencing generations that agriculture is more than planting and harvesting. Harvesting. It involves science, business, and more. National FFA Week is the time for FFA members to share agriculture with their fellow students and communities. The head of NASA's Earth Sciences Division and the European Union Ag Commissioner are part of the lineup of speakers at the USA Ag Outlook Forum later this month. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. A return to in-person conferencing at this year's USDA Agricultural Outlook Forum, February 23rd and 24th, includes guest speakers live at the two-day event in Arlington, Virginia. World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekodowski says that includes, for the Thursday evening dinner, Dr. Karen St. Germain from NASA, Director of the Earth Science Division, who is going to give some of her perspective on ways that data from NASA and satellite Earth observation can help to improve better understanding our global food supply and crop production patterns. Also, European Union Ag Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski joins Agriculture Secretary Tom Bilsack for a Friday morning conversation during the forum. Further details about and registration for this year's USDA Agricultural Outlook Forum is available online at www.usda.gov OCE ag outlook forum. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Farmers and small businesses considering adding solar energy to their operations should be looking at new incentives and funding under USA's Renewable Energy for America program, known as REAP. The advocacy group Solar United Neighbors held a webinar recently touting some of the changes to REAP, with applications due for the next cycle of funding on March 31st. The Inflation Reduction Act that passed last fall quadrupled REAP funding to $180.28 million per year for FY 2023 to 2027. The bill also includes increased the federal match for grants from 25 to 40 percent this year and as much as 50 percent beyond that. REAP has both loan guarantees for up to 75 percent of eligible project losses as well as grants right now up to 40 percent of project losses. Loans and grants can also be combined to provide up to 75 percent of project costs. Before the IRA, REAP was considered popular but the funding was nowhere big enough to fund every good project that applied for the grant. According to Emma Searson, a policy and advocacy campaigner, for Solid United Neighbors. She said there is a lot more REAP funding to go around this year and in future years. Coming up today, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell speaks to the Economic Club of Washington and may offer more clues for what the Fed is planning. Trading and gains may turn quiet at some point as traders wait for USA's WASDA report to come out tomorrow. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, 
JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 